This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as past teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Merry Christmas to those online. So glad you're tuning in. I jumped on real quick. Saw some people from London. We saw Meek from the Philippines. We're so glad you're there. See Emmanuel from Dartmouth. We're glad you're there today. Glad so many people are tuning in. We're glad you're here in person today. We're glad you are here. I want to remind you again, if you're in person today, is that we have uh, free Bibles that we love to give away. We believe this book could change your life. Uh, and we believe we love digital apps and all those things, but there's something about a paper Bible, marking it up, carrying it around, bringing it. There's something about it. If you don't have a Bible, whether you lost one or you've never had one, whether you're a part of this church or you're a first-time guest, whether you're never coming back, if you're here in person, uh, at the yellow guest wall, the big guest central, there's free Bible. Just take it and run. Literally, just grab it like you're shoplifting. Not, not, not that any of you ever done that. Just grab it and run. Uh, that's our blessing to you. You don't need to pay for it. We already paid for it with your money, uh, your generosity, and we're believing to give away hundreds this year. So if you need a Bible, go take one. If your teenagers need a Bible, get them a Bible, uh, and we'd love for you to enjoy that today. And then also, starting last week, uh, we started a series called Christmas Prayers. And ushers, can you come forward real quick? And if you did not get one of these cards, we're going to fill this out today as a part of our sermon, but if you didn't get one of these cards, can you just raise your hand when you walked in? If maybe you lost yours, maybe you have one, you can't find it now. If you need one, just wave your hand. We have one of these we want to give to you. And uh, last week, Pastor Matt preached so well. He preached on uh, prayers of the heart. Prayers of the heart. We filled this card out. Prayers that are on my heart. Here's how you know that it's a prayer of your heart, is if you don't want to share it with anybody, because it's too personal. You're like, man, if they saw that, they would know that's, 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 that's too impossible. If they saw what I was believing for, they'd man, it's been, it's been too long, or you're asking for too much, or it's, it's too private. And I, have, I have a prayer that I wrote down that I'm believing for. We encouraged this last week. If, listen, if it's on, it's on your mind, it's on God's heart. I believe, you know, Wayne Gretzky said this quote. I believe it was Wayne Gretzky, good Canadian boy. He said this. He said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Scripture says it this way, that uh, we have not because we ask not. I believe every prayer we don't pray is missing an opportunity for God to step in. And you may have prayed for years, maybe even decades. I believe, write it down, pray. I'm believing for things this Christmas. I believe prayers of my heart where I need God to show up and agree with us today. We believe God's going to show up and do something great in your life. You have your Bible today, Luke chapter 1. Today I get to continue our series, Christmas Prayers. We're unpacking some prayers from the Christmas story, which I believe scream through history at us today. I believe there are things we need to learn, we need to take from, we need to be convicted by and encouraged by, that I know it's going to encourage us this Christmas season. Are you in the Christmas spirit yet? Who's in the Christmas spirit yet? How many are ready for Christmas? How many are sad I brought it up? Okay, awesome. Uh, don't you love those statistics? Like, nine days of shopping left. Does it even work anymore with online? I don't even know. But are we ready for Christmas? I don't even know. I just asked my wife because that's what I do. And, um, but Christmas is coming whether you're ready or not. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. If you're there, say hey. All right, Nancy's ready. Okay, Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read about Mary's prayer today. We read about Zach's prayer last week, and we're going to read about Mary's prayer Today, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. 
Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. That's how I greet my wife every single morning. Greetings, favored woman. And then he goes on and says, the Lord is with you. I do not say that part. I just, I do not. Verse 29, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. And he'll be very great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. He will be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Verse 34. And Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So a baby will be born, will be holy. He'll be called the Son of God. What's more? Goes on and says, your relative Elizabeth is also pregnant, even in her old age. Verse 38, Mary responded. This is our prayer. This is Mary's prayer. This is our focus today. This beautiful, one of the shortest prayers in all scripture, but so much power. Verse 38, and Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. I am the Lord's servant. Today, for the next few minutes, I want to talk as we continue Christmas prayers. You'll see it on the card in front of you. I want to talk about the prayer of obedience. The prayer of obedience. Come on, look at your neighbor and say this with me. Say, hang on. It's going to be one of those Sundays. The prayer of obedience. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for your grace and your hope. Thank you for everyone tuning in online right now on Facebook and YouTube. Thank you for those in person today. Father, we pray that we would not just encounter a live stream or a service. This would not just be a few minutes of information. But God, I'm asking that we would leave here awakened to the reality that you are with us, you are for us, and you are speaking to us. God, I pray you'd help me. Start with this preacher today. Would you help me with your spirit? Would you empower me? Would you help our church today to do what you've called us to do in these, in, these, in these challenging times? Would you give us strength? Father, bless each one. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, prayer of obedience. It's interesting, I was talking to, a little while ago, to a local Catholic priest. And I said to him, I said, what do you think is the main difference between the local Catholic church and the evangelical like our church? See, I didn't grow up Catholic. I, I, I grew up in an evangelical church. My wife grew up Catholic. And I haven't actually been around Catholic services that much. But when I have, I've, been, I, I've noticed, obviously, a lot of um, tradition. And, but I've also seen, heard so many amazing messages and truth. And In fact, there's a church just down the street from us called St. Benedict's, which is truly a remarkably spirit-filled, breathtaking church. They lead the nation in Alpha. They teach their people so well. It's a brilliant church. But I said to this local priest, I said, what is the main difference? There's differences in dress. You guys don't dress like this, and I don't dress like that. I'm married, you're not. There's, there's so many differences. What do you think is the main difference? He said, Mike, I would say as the Catholic Church, possibly, we may talk about Mary too much. He said, and you guys may possibly not talk about Mary enough. And I thought about that. And I thought there's a lot of truth in what he said. I believe that we maybe don't give Mary her honor or her props enough. 
Today we're talking about the prayer of obedience. It's Mary's prayer in the Christmas story. And her, her obedience launches, this woman, this young woman, her prayer, her obedience, her life, launches the greatest rescue mission of all time. The church, as we know it, started with Mary's yes. If there wasn't a yes for Mary, there would not have been the rescue mission. There would not have been the church. The cross started with Mary's yes. The miracles of Jesus started with Mary's yes. In fact, 30 some odd years later, when Jesus was getting ready to start his public ministry, he wasn't even ready. And his, his mother called him and said, hey, we need a miracle at this wedding. I need you to do something. He says, woman, you can look it up. He says, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? It's not my time. And she said, hush, I'm your mama. How many know you got to listen to your mama? And she said, forget what he said. Listen to the servants. Whatever he says to do, it's where Nike got their slogan, just do it. And it says he did his first ever miracle because his mother made him do it. Mary started so much of what we enjoy today. Mary's prayer is found in verse 38. It's a short prayer, but I want to focus on it this morning. I want to unpack it, and I believe it plays into our lives today. I believe if we will open our heart and our spirit and listen today, God wants to challenge us. I believe you should never, ever leave church without being challenged. Not here to entertain, not here to inform. May challenge you to forgive yourself. May challenge you to accept Jesus. May challenge you to forgive. May challenge you to understand that God is for you, to understand the love of God. But I believe we should always leave challenged by the word of God. And today I believe God wants to challenge us. Mary's prayers in verse 38, it says this, Mary responded, I love this. She was just told, basically, we're going to birth the redemption plan. We're going to rescue mankind. We're going to pillage hell and populate heaven. We are going to save the world. But Mary, it's going to happen through you. And overwhelmed with this moment, I'm sure she's doing the math in her head. And she's going, this is not the plan I had. I had plans to have a nice wedding. And I'm not even married. I'm engaged. And I didn't want to have kids for a couple of years. Or she's going through, wait a minute, if I'm giving birth to the Son of God, my life's going to look different. Maybe she was an introvert and thought, I don't want to be pushed into the spotlight. She started going through the challenges and everything was going to happen. And in the middle of all that rushing through her mind, all that rushing through her head, her response to the angel was this, I am the Lord's servant. Let everything you have said about me come true. What a prayer. What a prayer of obedience. Mary's prayer was one of obedience. I want to unpack a few verses today, which I believe speaks to us as a church. The first thought I had reading this prayer as I thought about our church was verse 27. It says, to a virgin. It says, the angel came to a virgin, Mary. See, growing up in our culture, we know the Christmas story, we know the carols, we, we know the story of a, a virgin birth. And as I looked at that with fresh eyes, thinking about the culture we're in and what God's calling us to as individuals and corporately, I couldn't help but reminded that we put too much value on the currency of experience. Last week, Matt talked about Zach and how he was older and how when God said, hey, you're going to have a child, his experiences actually got in the way of what God wanted to do. His experience wanted to discount heaven's plan. He would have said things like, well, we used to believe that, or I have my doubts from my experiences that will work, or hey, it has never worked like this before. We've never seen anyone this age have children, and his experience wanted to discount heaven. Mary it was her inexperience that would have disqualified her 
from heaven's plan. Heaven was choosing a rookie to give birth to God's son. Think about that. We look at the virgin birth, and yes, it's because Mary was pure. It's because Mary was, Mary was pure of heart and pure of body, and there's truth in that. But I can't help but think, what a responsibility to put that weight on someone who was not tried and tested as a mother. If it was me, I wouldn't give it to a rookie thinking, listen, it's one thing to give birth to a child. It's another thing to raise a child. Having two kids of our own, so much of the focus is on the birth and the nine months or whatever leading up to it. We were just with a couple this week that had a child two weeks ago and talking about the birth of a child and traumatic for some and blessed for others and easy for some and tougher for others and this huge moment and buildup of baby showers and hospital and, and C-sections and epidurals and deliveries and all this stuff. And then the work starts. You become a mother. Isn't it interesting that heaven, if I was God, I would have given Jesus, I would have had the birth of the Savior come through someone experienced. I would have given it to someone maybe who was a single mom. Single moms are the heroes of our nation. I believe them and foster parents are the heroes of our nation. What they manage to do, the, the strength, the grit, the tenacity. I would have given it to a foster parent. I would have given a baby to a Why? Because the love they have, unconditional, the strength they navigate. I would have given it to someone who maybe their kids were teenagers and they've navigated the birth and the terrible twosomes and the terrible eightsomes and the terrible 15-year-olds. Come on, somebody. They would have navigated the hormones and the changes and... I would have given it to someone maybe with some wealth and some stability, maybe a nice house with a nice lawn, maybe with a golden retriever and a nice vacation and two cars and going, he'll be able to go to college and he'll be able to get away for the weekend and he'll have a nice cottage and he'll have be able to play sports. And I would have given it to someone with stability and a proven track record. But isn't it interesting that heaven birthed Jesus through a rookie? See, Zechariah, as we learned last week, he knew too much. He said, I'm too old to have kids. Mary knew too little, too young to give birth, too young to be a mom, too young to raise the ransom of heaven. Church, you need to know this today. God is not looking for our experience. He's looking for our obedience. Like some of you need to hear that today. I'm preaching better than you're amening. God is not looking for our experience. He's looking for our obedience. The older I get, the more I go back to my experience, my disappointments or my experiences going, ah, that, that won't work. No, that's, that's not going to work. We'll be in staff meeting and Pastor Matt and Pastor Emily and, and others, the younger ones, well, we have an idea. What if we did this? And I go back to my 30s going, yeah, we tried that as a church and I've done that in ministry. And I just smile and go, nah, it's not going to work. No, people won't like that. No, and I realize I depend so much on my experience. God is not looking for our experience in the prayer of obedience. He's looking for our yes. Mary, if she, she had no experience to rely on for the job she got. My son Josh, who just got his third job, so proud of him. He's like, hey, I want to I work. And I want more hours. I want to go get another job. And so he went and printed up a resume and filled it out and went and drove around and put applications in. And then he got calls back and went for interviews and just crushed the interview. And he just, he's like his mother. He just smiled at them and they were putty in his hands. And uh, he just answered the questions and was personable. And then they called him and said, we're going to give you the job right on the spot. And he's into his third or fourth week of working at this new job. And I couldn't be helped but reminded of his first job. His first job, there's a part on the, on the application which says, what's your prior experience? He's like, Dad, I don't have any experience. I'm like, we'll do what everybody else does. We'll make up experience, right? Like, 
how, somehow we'll make setting up church, you know. I was a part of a larger team setting up weekly, you know, like trying to word this in such a way. I'm like, did you ever give away Nova shirts out there? Yeah, oh, I, was, I was in uh, merchandise where I was a part of distribution and creating a line of clothing. You know, I said, we'll just make something up. Why? Because he had no experience. And so many times people say, well, it's too busy. It's such a busy season. There's too much going on. You don't have enough experience for this job. I'm so glad heaven doesn't rely on our experience, only our obedience. Sometimes our experiences slow our obedience. God's going to ask us to do things, and we'll say, well, I don't think that'll work. I, you know, I've been disappointed too many times. I know someone else who tried that, and it didn't end well for them. I heard this saying I'm about to say my whole life. And the older I get, the more true it is. It says this, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Amen. I need to say that again today. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. I'm so glad God doesn't call us based on our qualifications. Well, let's see how much you gave last year to the church and to charity. How much of the Bible do you know? Uh, how many weeks in a row did you go to church? Did you get your gold stars? How much do you serve and help? Listen, how, 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 how much experience do you have in these things? I'm so thankful God doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the call. You need to know this, parents in the room, you are called by God to be the parents to your kids. If you're ever ready to be a parent, you're probably never ready to be a parent. I'm so thankful that he qualifies the call. And God has an assignment on your life. And you may not feel like you're ready for the assignment on your life, for the leadership he wants you to step into, for the influence he wants you to have, helping the kingdom of God. You may think, I'm not ready. I'm not educated. I don't have enough degrees, enough money, enough time, enough friends. And God says, no, no, I don't call the qualified. I qualify the call, meaning God will give you what you need for the assignment on your life. Me and Nancy, more times than not, go, we have no idea what we're doing. We don't know how to run a church. And some of you are like, it shows, you know. We're so thankful that God qualifies the called and helps us as we go. I think it's interesting in verse 29, it says that Mary's, her first reaction was confused and disturbed. Important reminder, church, is that when God speaks and God shows up and God wants to use you, it rarely makes sense. Usually when God says something, my first reaction is confusion, and then I'm usually a little disturbed by it. You need to know this, God does not make sense. Some of you are like, it doesn't make sense. Like, like why, like going to church, how does that make sense? I don't understand how it makes a difference. I don't understand how I give my life and give everything I have to the kingdom of God. It doesn't make sense. I've learned this. If God was small enough for your mind, he wouldn't be big enough for your need. I am confused and disturbed more than anything else in this walk. But I know this, that God is good and he has a plan and it doesn't make sense. People try to add this up. I don't understand how this, I don't understand how this works either. I don't understand how forgiveness and grace works, but I so enjoy it. I'm so thankful that I don't need to understand God to enjoy him. And some of you are in here today going, I don't understand what I'm thinking, what I'm hoping is going to happen, going to church, walking in a building, into a school, into a theater, tuning in online. What difference is that going to make? Listen, when Jesus comes into your life, when he gets a hold of your life, you may not understand it, but a change happens. The old is gone and the new has come. And God raises dead things to life and something can happen. Whether you're in your 20s, your 50s, or your 70s, God does something new in your life. That's the power of Jesus. It's disturbing and confusing, but it's wonderful. He makes a way. If you're looking for this faith journey to always make sense, it won't. That's why there's a verse in the Bible that says we walk by faith and not by sight because it doesn't make sense all the time. But I do know this, God has a plan. Verse 38, I think, is one of the key of all this passage. 
And it starts with this. It says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary's prayer, though short, starts with this. I am the Lord's servant. That speaks to me that she knew who she was. It speaks, servant speaks to identity. When she says, may everything happen, speaks to availability. Church, you need to know this. Identity precedes availability. We're in a generation and a culture that is talking so much about identities. I think as a church, you need to know who you are and whose you are before you figure out what you're going to do. Mary started this whole thing, though she was young, though she was inexperienced, she started knowing who she was. She said, I am the Lord's servant. No, she didn't call him father or creator or savior. She said, I am the Lord's servant. Her identity preceded her availability. Mary's prayer of obedience came from a place of identity and led to availability. Church, I want to remind you, you better know who you are because we reproduce who we are. I'm learning this as a parent of teenagers. You don't reproduce what you say. You don't reproduce what you think. You don't reproduce what you post online. You reproduce who you are, identity. Mary knew who she was. A couple years ago, we were making a, a great transition in our lives, and we were thinking about how to tell our kids about this change. I call it, we were talking about it this week as a family, the bridge moment. My kids call it the stupid bridge moment. We were doing a wedding in Prince Edward Island, and we were finished the wedding coming home in the late winter, spring of the year, and we were going to break the news to our kids that we were changing jobs and changing where we were going to live and some drastic changes were coming. But we didn't know what was next. We just knew that changes were coming. And we had more questions than answers. And I remember being a, being a preacher and a pastor, I thought, how can we illustrate this to our kids? How can we explain it to them? They were a lot younger at the time. And I remember thinking, I have an idea. We'll tell our kids at the bridge from PEI to Nova Scotia. It's 15 kilometers long, and it's a real picture of faith that when you get on the bridge, you can't see the other side. So when you get on, you don't know how or where it ends, but you just trust that those that built it, those that engineered it, that it's going somewhere safe. And then in our case, it was going to take us closer to home. So I had this plan to tell our kids that like a bridge, we were stepping out in faith, and we don't know where it's going, and we can't see the end, but we're going to trust God. And I pulled over and in front of the bridge and there's snow and there's ice in the, in the water and the bridge and there's fog and I'm trying to have this moment and I tell our kids, hey, this is what we're happening. We're transitioning, we're changing. There's these big changes and our kid, Josh starts to cry. He's only little, he starts to cry. And Maddie's like, why are you, why are you crying, Josh? He's like, you don't understand, we're gonna have to move. And she, and she goes, yeah, just like down the street, right? She tells me now she was trying to comfort him. And then I had this plan to get out and look at the bridge and have a prayer moment and Josh wouldn't get out of the car. I'm not getting out. That's a stupid bridge. And Maddie tells me this week, she goes, I get out of the car, Mike, because I felt bad for you. I don't know if she was seven or eight or what she was, but she got out of the car and we're standing there looking at the cold water in the bridge and it was freezing. I said, Maddie, that's a bridge. She goes, yup. I'm like, I don't know where God's taking us. And she said, yup. And I was like, you want to get back in the car? She said, yup, we'll get back in the car. You know what's amazing is that moment we were trying to reproduce in our kids that this is a life of faith. We, in that moment, wanted to reproduce in our kids knowing we don't have the answers, we don't hold the future, but we know the one who does. And we're trying to teach our kids, listen, this is who we are. We follow the plan of God and we're obedient the best we can. Trying to imprint on our kids our identity as followers and servants of Jesus. See, Mary knew who she was. She was a servant of the plan of heaven and she reproduced it in Jesus. 
I don't have time today to unpack it, but later on in Luke chapter 2, Jesus is 12, and they find him in the temple. And he says, I must be about my father's business. He said, I'm a servant that must be obeying the father. Why? He knew who he was because his mother knew who she was. The Jesus at 12 who said, I am focused, I know who I am, and I'm available, came from a young girl that was his mother that knew who she was. And her identity led to her availability. Make no mistake. We need to know who we are. We're servants of God. And we will reproduce that in our friends, in our family, in our generation. Identity precedes availability. The greatest truth, you need to know this, the greatest battle that you will fight in your faith isn't denying Jesus. It's ignoring him. The greatest battle I have is not denying Jesus. It's ignoring him. The battle isn't if you're going to attend church. The battle is if you're going to obey Jesus. That is the battle. See, so many people want a savior, but very few want a Lord. I've never had a problem with Jesus saving me from my sins, forgiving me from my past. I have no problem with that Jesus. I wrestle with the Jesus that tells me to forgive others, to live pure, to live a certain way. I always struggle with Jesus the Lord, not Jesus the Savior. Mary responds, I am the Lord's servant. I've never struggled with being saved. I've struggled with being told. A few years ago, I felt God tell me to go forgive somebody that had hurt me. And it was the worst kind of hurt because the person didn't know they hurt me. Isn't that annoying when they live like they didn't do anything? Maybe none of you have ever experienced that. They don't, they don't know they've done anything, so they talk the same way, they act the same way, and they're just going through their emotions, and I'm like, you have no idea the anguish you've called, caused me and my family. You have no idea the, the anxiety you've caused me. You have no idea the hurt inflicted. And I felt God say, take this person out for lunch, take this guy out for lunch, and don't bring it up, just love on them. Buy them lunch, and just ask them how they're doing, and love on them. And I said, Lord, no. Nope, not doing it. No, I don't want to give him lunch. I want to give him peace of my mind. I want to give him two pieces of my mind and a side of knuckle sandwich. That's what I want to do. I felt God just saying, forgive and love. And I said, no, I won't. I wrestled. I like to say that I answered yes. I like to say that it was an easy process. But if it wasn't weeks, it was months. And finally, one day, I was tired of seeing his face on my mind. I was tired of, uh, of feeling the anxiety of saying no to Jesus the Lord and I called them up and said let's go for lunch was it easy no was it, was I perfect at it no but can I tell you this I walked out of that lunch I felt lighter in my spirit I felt I felt grace in my heart I slept better than I had slept in weeks or months that night why because I knew Jesus the Savior but I was trying to learn the prayer of obedience let me ask you today When was the last time Jesus told you to do something that was challenging? Now think about it. When was the last time you heard from heaven, God whispered on your heart to do something that you knew was right, but it was so challenging? If you can't remember the last time Jesus told you to do something that you found challenging, you may need to make him Lord. What is God asking you today in this season that you're dragging your heels on? See, if a face comes to your mind right now, it's probably to forgive somebody or to ask for forgiveness. 
If there's something, maybe that's a part of your life that you know shouldn't be a part of your life, that's coming to your mind right now. If there's an area, a need that you feel like you're called to meet, but you've been dragging your heels on it to step in and fill that gap and meet that need and you haven't, that's coming to your mind right now. It's a face, a place, a thing, an opportunity. But I do know this, God is speaking to us. What is God asking you to do that's difficult? Obedience, please don't miss this. Obedience is the hinge that the door of change swings on. We all want change, right? We're going into a new year. Like, God, please, will this be a better year than last? It's one thing globally or provincially, but God, even relationally, family, faith. I've learned in my years that nothing changes just because the calendar flips over. But the door of change, we all want change. The door of change swings on the hinge called obedience. Mary's obedience opened doors for redemption for mankind. It was her obedience that swung wide the door to grace, swung wide the door to hope, swung wide the door to forgiveness. Door of change wants to swing going into this new year on us, on the prayer of obedience. Let me ask you today, where is God asking you to obey? You all have these cards online. You can write it down somewhere. It says this, is my prayer of obedience. In a moment, I'm going to ask you just to take out that card. And I want you to write down as the band plays, write down what's something God's asking you to do. It's probably another one of these prayers you don't want to show anybody. It might be something, a habit you need to stop. It might be an opportunity you need to walk into. It might be a face you need to forgive. It might be someone you need to ask for forgiveness from. I don't know what it is for you. But can I promise you this? That when we say, yes, Lord, may it be, a door of change opens up for opportunity. The favor, the Bible says Mary was highly favored. Favor travels on the road of obedience. Jesus in Luke 2 grew in favor with God and man. Why? Because he said, I'm about my father's business. His obedience paved a road called favor. There is favor needed on your life. There's favor needed on our church. There's favor needed on me as a husband and a father and a leader. And it's paved through the road of obedience. Take out this card for the next few minutes. I want you to write it down. I want you to think about it. I want you to pray. And this is what we're saying. God, help me pray the prayer of obedience. Let me say yes to what you're doing. Fill this card out. Let's take a minute. Let's pray this prayer. The prayer of obedience. It's interesting that the yes from heaven was waiting on a yes from earth. Church, there's some yeses from heaven that want to come into our lives in 2022. It starts with a yes here. Heaven was waiting for Mary to say yes. And when she said yes, heaven went to action. I believe God is moving on our behalf. I believe God is fighting for us. He's fighting with us. He's helping us. But make no mistake, identity precedes availability. And favor runs on the road called obedience. When we say yes to God, God moves. Do you have your prayer? Can we get through? Can we go through this season, not just attending services, singing carols, buying gifts, but leaning into our prayers, going, God, this is the prayer of my heart. This is what I'm believing for you want to do. But God, this is what's on your heart. That's my prayer of obedience. He's saying yes to our heart, but we need to say yes to his. The prayer of obedience, swing wide, doors of change. God has something for us this year. As I close today, I would be amiss not to give you an opportunity 
both online and in person, if you say, Mike, I don't know Jesus. I've never said yes to Jesus. I've been to church. I, I know culture, but I've never said yes to Jesus. You say, Mike, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to, uh, my identity is I want to be a follower of Jesus. The Bible says that you can know Jesus. It says if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, with your life, and say, you are Lord, you are the leader of my life, a miracle happens. You get a fresh start. This Christmas, you can have a fresh start. You don't need to wait till the 25th to open that gift. A fresh start. The Bible says you can have it right now. If you'd like me to pray for you, for Jesus to come into your life, to wash away your past, but make your future new today. If you want Jesus to come in and direct you and lead you, it's not one prayer that solves it. It's a journey. You're starting a journey today of obedience, of following Jesus. A miracle happens. If you want me to pray for you, with every head bowed just for a moment, every eye closed, in person and online, if you want me to pray for you, Though I can't see you through the screen, but I can see you in person. As every eye is closed for a minute, would you just lift your hand all over this place? Put it up and put it right back down. That's all I'm going to ask you to do. Put it up, put it right back down. Thank you. Put it right back down. At home, I believe you're doing it. Same thing. You'll see on the screen, you can text the word faith to that number. And we'll get in touch with you. We'll bless you. We'll help connect you. Text faith to that number. And I believe God's going to help start a journey in your life. Can I pray for you today? Let's pray, church. Father, I thank you for those that lifted their hands, those both watching this now and later on, those that are under the sound of my voice. Father, we're thankful that you're real, that you're invested, and that you're here. Would you come in and forgive us for our past, and would you direct us from this day forward? Would you speak? Would you teach? Would you guide? And may we follow. May our answer be yes. We are your servant. Lead us into our tomorrows. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your help. Bless them in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen, amen. Church, prayer of obedience. A yes from heaven starts with a yes on earth. Let's stand to our feet as we get ready to close. Today I want to bless you. The 23rd is coming up. What a chance to end the year with a bang. Invite as many people as possible. If you need to sign up online, you'll see it in our profiles. In person, you can sign up at the yellow wall. We're filling out this place twice on the 23rd, believing for miracles, believing for influence, believing for people's lives to be changed. It's going to be an amazing Christmas. We love you so much. God bless you. The coffee is flowing. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday morning online and in person. God bless.